0: Go to CloudOptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's CloudOptimizer.com. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's and up He'll it in. It's a pick six and a touchdown. Fell into the middle of that line and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder. 85 yards. There was contact with the quarterback and it's incomplete. They got pressure. On Prescott, it was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and what? it's the QA. <laughs> oh my gosh! Listen, thank you.
1: From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at play like a Jet1, and we are continuing our 2020 off-season review. With Andy Vasquez of NorthJersey.com, we got into a bunch of things in part one of our offseason review yesterday, including the Jets' pass rush, or lack thereof. But Andy, what about the secondary? The corner play was really rough last year, although kudos to both Blessing Austin and Arthur Millette, who are back this year, who came in late in the season and actually did a solid job for a few games But changes needed to be made. They went out, and they were able to get Bryce Hall from Virginia in the fifth round, who could be a real steal for them. They traded for Quincy Wilson. They signed Pierre Desiree. They brought back Brian Poole. So Poole, who was the only real stable member of that cornerback group last year, comes back on a cheap one-year deal. They make some other improvements. The way I keep talking about this is last year the Jets had a lot of "uh," This year they have a lot of eh, maybe, at the cornerback position. Is that more or less how you feel? It's not like they made massive upgrades, but they certainly took strides in the right direction?
0: Yeah, and again, given kind of the way the draft fell and, and the way free agency fell. I don't think, you know, paying big money for one of these top guys in free agency who weren't necessarily stud guys. And we saw how that works out with Tremaine Johnson. Um, I understand why they were kind so But they took a step in the right direction. Hall, I think, is a guy with a lot of upside, especially where they got him. That could be a great pick. And he, if they, if they have guys like, Millette and Austin contributing the way they did last year there's no way there's no reason that Hall shouldn't be able to step in and help right now and because he has more physical tools and, and upside than either of those guys so um, I, mean, I think I think that was handled appropriately I like what they did at that position and I think it, it you'll see a real improvement I, and I also I don't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head on on the pool deal but to get him back, where they got him. Uh, that was a nice job because he was one of the better slot corners in the NFL last season. So um, they got him back at a, at a reasonable rate, and they can kind of anchor it around to him going forward. I think.
1: So Andy, let's talk about Jamal Adams We know all about the drama that's gone on there and We've covered it ad nauseum But there's still the matter of How is this going to play out? So let me ask you straight up How do you think this is going to play out?
0: I don't know I really don't And it's, it's going to be super interesting On so many levels <laughs> and It's really going to be fascinating to watch um, There's just so many moving parts and factors to it Adams obviously is not a guy who is shy about how he feels and I don't see him and there's no reason to believe that he is going to play under his current contract uh, happily or quietly. Uh, He's a guy who's literally called out the general manager on social media and while standing in the middle of the Jets locker room because he was so upset that they almost traded him or almost traded him, but even discussed trading him uh, on the deadline and that his name was out there. So, the whole coming out during Super Bowl week and saying I wanted a deal and then letting it be known that he would not participate in the virtual off-season program, which would have required him to like scoot over to his laptop and and sign in. Um, I mean, those are both warning shots in my eyes that, that he is not going to quietly or happily play on under this thing. So the Jets, I mean, there, there is pressure, I think, to get something done – Quickly, but have all the leverage. Um, not only is he under contract now; they picked up his 50-year option through 2021, but they could franchise tag him potentially in 2022. So it's they could have him under control for three years. He's the best player on the team, and and you can't really fault him if he wants to be paid like it. But then they'd have to you know, jump up to 17 million plus a year to get him past Mosley. So that's a tough choice, especially considering that. They don't have to do this for a couple of years. So uh, there's a lot of factors to it. It's The most interesting storyline of the offseason in my eyes and, and one of the most important.
1: The thing I think that complicates this for the Jets is that we know Adams wants a new deal. But when Douglas comes out and publicly says he wants to make Jamal Adams a Jet for life, now you're putting it out there that that's one of your stated goals and so it just adds fuel to that fire for Jamal Adams that he wants this deal and he wants it now. So if you do try to exercise that leverage and push this off, it probably, as you said, is going to put some events in motion that could make things potentially mm-hmm. ugly as we get closer to the season, right?
0: Yeah, I agree with that. But the Jets can always say like, he's under contract for the next two years, so we're by not giving him a deal now, we're just we're saying eventually we're going to give you the deal. Uh, you know, we, we want you to be a Jet for life, but, you know, I, I don't remember. the. I think the exact stat was, like, since 2011 through 2016, there were, like, five or, or maybe ten first-round picks who had gotten extended uh, after their third year, and, and only four of them were defensive players. So and and only one other was a defensive back. So they can say that this is not a normal request. This is not even for a superstar. Uh, like this isn't something that normally happens. So we'll reward you next year, but we want you to play one more year on, under this contract. That, that's going to be if they choose to go that route. Their argument. Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
1: What do you think of the job that Joe Douglas has done overall? Not counting what may or may not happen with Jamal Adams because we don't have that information yet. But now that we know what the bulk of the roster is going to look like, what grade would you give Douglas as of this
0: point? I, I like most of what he's done. I give him probably a um, not Maybe a B. I don't like the wide receiver thing, as I, as I said. Um, I, and it does concern me a little, some of the stuff. If I'm, I'm going to go back into last season, so maybe be a little unfair and grade him for some of that, but I think some of the communication issues with the players, you can put that on him and Gase. That's going to go one way or the other. That's going to be a thing where either the players, the culture is changing and some players were upset about it. With Adam, Uh um, you know, they had a lot of like kind of run-ins with players, I think I think that's something to watch because either that was the culture changes and players didn't like it, but now they're embracing it, or it was a, kind of a flag that these guys aren't good at communicating with their players. That that to me is a big thing to watch going forward. Does that get cleaned up this year? Because that's something Joe Douglas said at his end of the year press conference is that he wants to do a better job of communicating. But um, when you look at what he did with the offseason and he addressed the offensive line. It's hard to argue that it's not there. Um, and that should help Darnold and Le'Veon Bell and whoever's running the ball in the backfield. Um, and, and they helped themselves on defense where they needed to. Um, and I just think he did a lot of the things they needed to do. And let's see how he handled the Adams thing before he gave them a final grade for the season because that's uh, kind of the biggest piece left the ball.
1: Let's talk about Adam Gase and Sam Darnold a little bit. Now that we know about the supporting cast that Darnold is going to have offensively and what Gase is going to have to work with, what do you think it's fair to expect from Darnold this year? And as far as Gase, what do you think he needs to do to justify being brought back for another year? Do you believe in the playoff mandate, or do you think that it's just a matter of showing enough progress in key areas? So we know that they have a tougher schedule if they were to, say, go 6-10 or 7-9, and nine, is that acceptable if you see growth from, say, Darnold and a bunch of the players on the offense, and maybe there are a couple of other areas where Gase improves? Is that something that you think is justifiable, and what do you think is reasonable to expect from Sam Darnold, given what he's got to work with now?
0: I don't, you know, I'm not going to fault Christopher Johnson for not giving him a playoff mandate, because I think that's not constructive in any way, shape, or form. I just, like, what does that accomplish by saying that other than to satiate, you know, fans who are upset? But uh, it's just, you know, it, it's just words that would put unnecessary pressure and let us ask questions uh, that would you know, piss off a coach during a press conference. I mean, I'd love it if Christopher Johnson did it because it would be great to say, hey, uh, he said you need to make a playoff the playoffs, in you year two and eight. That would be great for us to be able to bring up at every point, but it, it doesn't make any sense. But I don't think there should be a playoff mandate because there's so many factors that are going to go into determining this. Uh, first of all, uh, Adam Gase's offense has got to be better than like 31st or 31st in the league. I don't, there's no more excuse or reason that it shouldn't be better. The offense is better. The quarterback's in the second year in your system. Um, I don't care what happened. I don't care if Donald gets – Mono, again, you can't play for, like, eight games. You need to find a way to be better than second-worst or worst-in-the-league offense if you're an offensive guru. Like, what happened last year was weird. A lot of things went wrong, but um, it should be the odds of that happening again are low. So I think that's one place to start looking. Um, you know, have the offense be in the middle of the road. Secondly, Darnold needs to make a, a, a real step here. And I don't think he needs to lead them to the playoffs. I don't think he needs to throw X amount of touchdowns or X amount of yards. But what he needs to do is show that he can make plays that win games, make plays that make the difference. That's ultimately what makes a quarterback so important in the NFL is that they make the plays that make the difference. And that's what we need to see out of Sam Darnold this year. And, that's what we need to see Adam Gase do mm-hmm. in terms of putting him in a position to make those plays. And, you know, that should be able to happen now that the offensive line is better. Um, and even though the weapons, I don't think, are there, mm-hmm. uh, Darrell, like I said, at the end of 2018, didn't have the best weapons and still was able to make a lot of things happen uh, against some good teams. So uh, that's kind of what you've got to see out of him. So if, the Jets do go 6-10 and and Sam Darnold is looking more and more like the guy that we think he can be, the guy that he's shown it is. Instead of it being four games of potential or two games of potential, if it's ten games of potential or eight games of potential, I I don't think... I think that's how you judge it, not based on wins and losses, especially with the schedule that they have and, and some of the other uncertainty going into this season. But That's the kind of stuff... That you need to see, um, and that's how I'm going to judge it going forward. But yeah, there's there's no way the offense can be garbage and the worst NFL. I don't care who the left is. I don't care what happens. They need to find a way to be better than we were last year.
1: I think that's well stated. The record isn't necessarily as important as the progress that gets made. I've talked about this on the show a bunch of times. I'm with you. I don't believe in playoff mandates. But I want to see major improvement from Darnold and more consistency. I want to see major improvement from the offense. I want to see major improvement from Gase overall in terms of play calling, in-game decisions, adjustments. I don't want to hear stuff about him having problems in the locker room. I want proof that he grew as a manager. And if all of those things happen or if at least... A bunch of those things happen and the jets have a worse record but you see that the worst record isn't because of gase then i think that you could make a solid case to bring him back but that's a lot to ask for and a lot to put on gase's plate so we're gonna have to see if he can pull that off right andy
0: yeah and one more thing that i should have mentioned there I forgot to is one guy to really watch if you're Lady on bell because he is such a dynamic weapon and i think you know, he didn't look great last year, but I think a lot of it is because of the offensive line. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is because Adam Gates did be put in and didn't figure out how to use him properly. So they, he better figure out how to use him properly this year because, you know, I think there's still – I don't think he's the guy he wasn't this year. I don't think he's, you know, top two, three running back in the league anymore. But he still needs to be a top ten running back, and he is silver so still in a guy like Gates who – that's supposed to be this offensive mastermind, should be able to find a way to get him involved more consistently. That's something that's not too much to ask for at all. Like, even if they hadn't fixed the offensive line and done this other stuff, he should figure out how to use him better than he did last year. And if he doesn't, like, that's a big red flag to me, unless it's very obvious that, that Bell is breaking down. And I don't think, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I missed something last year, but I didn't think it was like real obvious that Le'Veon Bell was. A totally different player than he was in Pittsburgh, so he's got to do better with with Le'Veon Bell and, and find a way to get him involved.
1: He's talented enough that, as you said, if Gase is an offensive guru, he should be able to figure things out, even if Bell isn't "quote unquote" an ideal fit in his system. The best coaches adapt, so we'll see what he ends up doing and how this shakes out, because. If Adam Gase is able to do a lot of the things that we outlined, I have a very strong feeling he's going to be here in 2021. Andy Vasquez covering the New York Jets for NorthJersey.com. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. For those who haven't been checking out your work lately, because, you know, it's the offseason. So maybe after the draft, they kind of tailed off a little bit. I know you've still got plenty of stuff up at NorthJersey.com and they can obviously follow you on social media. Where can they get a hold of you and what can they expect to see when they check out your work?
0: Well, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Andy underscore Vasquez and all of my work is on NorthJersey.com and I would say uh, we're going to stay on top of kind of everything going forward. We're going to be looking at some of the improvements they've made during the off season and and really breaking down a lot of the stuff in the coming months, uh that we broke down here today. I would I would encourage guys to check out. I wrote um, a story about Ashton Davis a couple weeks ago about his strange, weird journey from, you know, being a track walk on a cow to being, you know, a third round pick. It's a pretty cool story. He's he's obviously a, kind of an exciting guy to watch. I think a really good character guy that suggest they're adding to the locker room. So I, I wrote a story about him to watch. And we'll be on top of everything going forward to afford at com. so please check
1: it out. You should definitely check out that story about Ashton Davis. It was really well done. And by the way, if I was Ashton Davis's parents, I'd be about ready to strangle him, or at least I would have been at the time. Now that he's going to go to the NFL, I'd be fine with it because he can pay me back, but He turned down an opportunity to get a scholarship because he wanted to play both sports and they told him that they weren't going to allow that. So he had to walk on and eventually earn the scholarships in both spots. But in the short run, I'm sure his parents weren't thrilled that they had to pay that tuition. So if you want to learn more about that, go ahead and read Andy's story. We're going to have more on that on the podcast coming up over the next couple of weeks as well. Make sure you're following Andy on Twitter as well, at Andy underscore Vasquez. If you haven't had a chance to check out Badlands with Joe Caparroso and Connor Rogers yet, go ahead and subscribe ASAP. The show is great. The 10-part docuseries leading to the show was great, of course. Covers the 10 year period that the Jets have been in the wilderness and how they can get out of it and get the team back on the right track. But now they're doing weekly shows. And this week, Connor and Joe decided to do an in depth training camp preview. We don't know exactly when training camp is going to start now. It looks like it's going to get delayed into August. But. We do know that Joe and Connor have a lot of interesting stuff to say about it, and Connor's got some cool little tidbits to share with you that you're not going to get anywhere else. So if you haven't had a chance to subscribe, go to at Caparoso on Twitter or at Connor J Rogers on Twitter, or you can find it on Podbean, but that's where you want to subscribe. You'll be able to see the links on Joe and Connor's Twitters. If you haven't read my history pieces over at JetsXFactor.com, go ahead and do that. I think you'll really enjoy them. Working our way through a really long series on the 2008 Jets, the Brett Favre year, talking about everything leading up to the season so far. So everything that preceded the 2008 Jets that kind of built to that roster and where the Jets were as far as the crossroads, their free agency moves, the draft. And then, of course, going out and getting Brett Favre from the Green Bay Packers when he stunningly became available Now we're up to the part where the Jets are about to start the 2008 regular season, and we're going to go through the journey of that season with Kerry Rhodes, the former All-Pro safety who was there in 2008 and has firsthand experiences. So if you're not subscribed to JetsXFactor.com, Go ahead and do that. You'll get yourself an opportunity to read those articles and get the eventual audio documentary that is going to be made at the end of the series. If you haven't had a chance to give us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time. It doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest, the New York Jets podcast, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets digital and turn on the